Okay. Okay, well, the, the children have gone out to, to, to do some activities. We're going to think a little bit more about this idea of Jesus as the victorious king. We're going to think about Jesus as we see him as he comes out of the tomb. And there's a striking thing that Mary doesn't recognize Jesus. And that's a theme that runs through uh, the resurrection account. So we're going to look at that. So as we think about this, I want us to take a little bit of a different journey this morning. Take a little bit of a different twist, maybe not go where you would expect. I think sometimes when we hear things we expect to hear, we often don't hear anything. So we're going to go a little bit challenged this morning, go a little bit in a different way. So the question I would first start with is, was Jesus always the victorious king? Or put it another way, does the cross change God? Do we think, does the cross change God? I mean, another way to think about it is, do we think that by crucifying Jesus, we can change God? Did we make God different because we crucified Jesus? I'm going to say no. I'm going to argue no. Uh, Maybe you're not sure, but maybe I've had the angel have a thought about this. But if the cross doesn't change God, what does the cross change? The cross must change something. It must have value. And we'll come back to that. We'll look at that. Because actually, as we look at the resurrection morning, we need to understand what that cross has changed for us so we can grasp what goes on beyond it. So before we go into that, I just want to touch upon this. You know, it seems obvious maybe that actually the cross doesn't change God. But sometimes we speak as though it does. And I think sometimes we can create stumbling blocks for those who are yet to know God by some of the ways we talk about it or we sing about it. We talk about maybe the, the cross satisfying God or we talk about um, God uh, forgives because of the cross. So is it our actions that enable God to forgive? Is it, there's, there's challenging ways we talk about these things and it's not to say they're not right, but it is to say we need to be clear as how we explain them because we can create an impression that is perhaps not it should be. If we believe our God is unchangeable and timeless, then our God is unchangeable. Our Bible says that, um, and therefore, does this moment change God, or does this moment change something else? So if we take the God of the Old Testament, we often struggle as we get into the Old Testament with this God, and we sometimes use the cross to explain a different God afterwards. Well, you know, God can forgive now, so it's okay, all these sort of things. But actually, God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So again, what's our challenge? What I would say is actually, this book on a macro scale, this Bible on a macro scale, tells one story. It tells a story of a God who loves his people. A God who wants nothing more than for his people to know him. Who will go to any lengths for his people to know him. And he will love them. And he will forgive them time and time again. But of course this book is written through our story. It's not an autobiographical account of God. It's an account of God's people. 
So when we get down into the scales of it, we start to see the brokenness. And it comes to a point where perhaps we start to see more of our own reflection. As Paul talks about later in Corinthians, we start to see more of our own reflection than we do of the true and living God. The God who reveals himself most fully over this event, over Easter. So we get down into that level and we start to struggle because we lose sight of God and who he is. So back to what's the purpose of the cross. Well, this is just one of the values to us of the cross, particularly this morning, is that we can see God afresh. We can take a new vision of God. We can ask God to reveal himself for who he really is. As I said, this account, we see Mary, who spent a lot of time with Jesus, doesn't recognize him in the garden. Is that just some sort of problem with our eyes? Was it just a bit of sort of surprise? Well, no, that goes on throughout the resurrection accounts. We see it in the Emmaus Road. We see the disciples who spent years with Jesus. And they are walking down the road with him, having a conversation, and they don't know it's Jesus. Is Jesus in disguise? No, Jesus is not in disguise. Is when Jesus comes to them in the boat, they don't recognize him. Has he changed? No, he hasn't changed. But what I might suggest to us is actually what they are seeing is a greater vision of the true Jesus, of the true God, that post-resurrection moment. And they don't recognize him because he isn't what they were expecting to see. They start to see God on that macro scale. They start to see this God who says, I love you and there's nothing you can do that will stop that. And of course, that's the God of the cross. It's the God who says, I love you. Every one of the people I created, I love. It's the God who says, I will go to any length to tell you that. I'll even come down and make myself man on earth to tell you that I want you to know me. As a God on the cross who says, I will forgive you of anything. No matter what you do, I will forgive you. You can even nail me to a cross. And on that cross, Jesus will say, I forgive them. He will say, I forgive these who are crucified with me. Because it was the ultimate, wasn't it? What could people do? What's the best thing we could do with God to God? To rebel against him. Well, we could kill him. Brilliant idea. We'll kill God. And God says, I can forgive you for that. There's nothing you can do that I can't forgive you for. So Good Friday we see man's worst. But Easter morning we have a God who says... I win. We have a God who says, you can crucify me, but I win. We have a God who says, I can forgive you for anything. We have a God who says to the devil, I win. We have a God who says to the evil that has polluted his creation, I win. We have a victorious God. 
But we have a God who says, I win. My God says, I win. Does your God say, I win? My God says, I win, but my God hasn't won yet. My God hasn't won yet. If you're shocked or offended by that or surprised by that, then read the newspapers, look at the news, look at the world around us, look at our own lives, and we will know that God has not yet won. But again, a challenge for those who yet to know God is that if we describe God as God's one, then what they see of God's winning is perhaps not what they should see because they should see a God who says, I do win. There is work in progress. So the God of the cross, he isn't changed by the cross, he is revealed by the cross. For us this morning, when we see the risen Jesus Christ, we should see a greater revelation of God. That is because the cross has enabled us to see more of him, how he truly is, how he is truly, throughout this account, a God who loves his world, who wants them to know him, every one of them. So we should do that this morning. We should meet God afresh. For some of us, it could be the first time. It could be the first time that we've chosen to ask to meet with God. It's a choice. We do that. But for many of us, it would be, we've met God many times. Most of us here and most of us be watching, we, we, we know God, so we've met him. So why would we meet him again? Why would we want to see, and I'm going to talk about a bit of refresh revelation, but first of all, I want to talk about the people for the first time. If you're here or if you're joining us online and, you, and you've not met God, it's a choice. We have a choice. We can choose to ask to meet God. Do we want to? Maybe we think he doesn't exist. Maybe we've decided God doesn't exist, so there's no point in me trying to meet him. Well, Arguably, there's no harm in finding out whether he does. We could invite him to show himself. If he doesn't show himself, it's okay. You haven't got a problem. Your, your beliefs are not changed. If he does, then only good can come of it. So I don't think that's a the good reason not to, to try. But actually, maybe there's another reason. Maybe there's a reason that we're a little bit uncertain. We want to meet the God who we think we might meet. Uh, there's one of the uh, evangelists, I can't remember who it was, I think it, uh, but he said, he said, I remember saying to an atheist, he said, I said to him, I said, I don't believe in the God that you don't believe in either. And that's the truth of it. Actually, so often people don't believe in a God because of the God they think they're going to meet. And the truth is the God of the cross is a God that you will want to meet. And a guarantee that he won't be like you're expecting him to be. So why wouldn't you? Well, there might be another reason. You might actually think, well, I might not want to meet God because life might be easier without him. I've got some sympathy with that, but I did 37 years without God and I did 17 so far with him. And I can't think of a single reason why I would be better off without knowing God. So I think, you know, so to put those away, you know, I think actually there's a chance for you to say, actually invite him today. So that's if it's the first time for you, I'd encourage you to do that. Be thinking about it. 
I'll have some words in a minute. But for the second category, for most of us, will we meet him afresh this morning? Do we want a greater revelation of God? Well, the truth is we'll always be able to get a greater revelation of God this side of heaven. The Apostle Paul talks in 1 Corinthians, we see as in a mirror. We see dimly, and then we see face to face. So there is always a greater revelation of God available for us. You know, when we get to heaven, we can be certain that we will be surprised when we meet God. And if we think we're not going to be surprised, then maybe we've died and gone to heaven already, because actually there must be more for us to know. There must be more for us to experience. And the resurrection, the resurrected king invites us to that. and says, see me as I really am. The Emmaus Road story. Those disciples have spent years with Jesus, and they're now walking along, and they are having their eyes open to stuff they had no idea that they could possibly see. And that be for each one of us. So we're going to have, we're going to put some words up. We can say together, God, please show yourself to me this Easter morning. Now, there's none of us that can't say that. None of us that couldn't say that. We have to choose to say, do we want to say, I want to meet with you, God? Because if we do, then we can share those words. Uh, and I just want to think about that, and I'm, we're just going to do that in our, in our heads in a moment. But while you're still thinking, I just want to touch upon one other subcategory. Those of us that have known God for some time, maybe our view of God has become maybe tarnished. It's become hard. We've been through the hard parts of life. We've got more into the reflection of God than we have of God. It's been tough times, you know, it's, it, and there's tough times still about in the world by great you know, measure. But actually for each and every one of us, we can come to points where it's hard because God isn't quite the one we hoped he'd be. He doesn't seem to be answering those prayers because we've got, we thought he won, but he doesn't seem to be winning. We're struggling in that place. And so for, for those of us who are in that category, we need more than ever for a fresh vision of God. We need to see him this Easter morning. We need to ask him to clear away that reflection and to show himself for the God who says, I love you. The God who says, I forgive all there is to forgive. The God who says, I want you to know me. You every one of my creation. I want my creation to be beautiful again. That's the God we need to meet. So I'm just going to invite us, uh, before the children come back, is I'm just going to say these words. When I met God myself 17 years ago, it was when I opened my hands. We were invited to pray and I opened my hands and I just decided I'd let him in if he was there. And he came. And I would encourage each of us to, to want him to come this morning, whether it be for the first time or the hundredth. So what I'm going to suggest is that we close our eyes. And I'm just going to read these words out. And if you want to, just repeat them in your head. Just invite him to come. And then we'll have a bit of quiet and I've got something else and then we'll, we'll get the band up and, and they can play for us. So let us close our eyes, if you will, and... We say, God, 
Please show yourself to me this Easter morning. God, please show yourself afresh to each and every one of us this morning. Renew our vision. Show yourself to us. We welcome you in, Lord. Okay, I'm going to invite the band to come up. And while they do that, I just want to talk about one more thing, and I will... We'll, we'll pray that prayer one more time again, but I just want to say something else. That beneath my feet this morning, we, we've set up a tomb here. Um, if you've been with us less than a year, you may not know that beneath here is a baptism pool. The reason why I'm not known is I don't think we've used it for a year. I might be wrong, but I don't, I'm not aware that we have. And for the sake of a, of a broken and dying world, we, that's a travesty that we're not seeing people come to know Jesus and being baptized in this pool. And, and there's something about this pool that it has a problem. But it isn't really a problem yet because we don't use it enough. It actually, when you fill it up in the evening, when you get ready to baptize people, by the time you come in, it goes down quite a long way. Some of the water disappears. And we don't think there's anybody in here drinking it. We try changing the plug, but it still seems to disappear. So maybe it's going somewhere. Now, it's not really a problem because you fill it up, you know, and then it disappears. That's not a problem. But wouldn't it be amazing if that was a problem that we had to fix? Wouldn't it be amazing that if so many people were being baptized in this, that we had to find out where that water went before it washed the foundations of the building away? Wouldn't that be an amazing thing? And that, I just have a desire to see that, that to be our experience, for us to be having to fix, and sorry, maintenance team, um, having to find out why our Baptist pool, baptistry is leaking and where the water's going. But wouldn't that be great, rather than not having to worry about it? So it's a bit of a technical problem. I just love to worry about that. Um, but the only way that's going to happen is by us having a vision of God, us having a fresh vision of God to know that this is a God we want to share that invitation with others. It's not going to be a program. It's not going to be... Uh, instructions. It's going to be God and us seeing God for who he truly is uh, that's going to do that, that revelation. So if, you, if you've been and joined us this morning and you've met with God and you want to be the first to try out the leak in the baptism pool, then let us know. We'd love to try it. But if not and you want to learn a bit more, we're running an Alpha course. It's a great place to explore, a great place to, tie, to find out a little bit more and join with others on that journey. And you could then come and, and, and continue to test that Baptist leak uh, uh, after that. But do really encourage each of us to seek God, to see him afresh, and to be inspired by that revelation. 
So I'm just going to say those words one more time and then I'm going to hand to the band who are going to play for us before the children come back. God, please show yourself to me this Easter morning.